want to wish every mother here a happy Mother's Day. And I chose today a speaker that I thought could identify with all of you. Larry and Sharon Frank are our co-discipleship pastors, and Pastor Sharon, many of you have had the opportunity to sit under her teaching. And today I would like it if you would please give a warm welcome to Pastor Sharon Frank as she comes to minister her word to us today on Mother's Day. Thank you. Well, good morning. And I get to say Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> yes, today is a day we all can celebrate because either you are celebrated or you have a mother. <laughs> I'm a mother, a grandmother, an aunt, and for some kind of an adopted mother to those I get to pour my life into. And uh, that's why, um, like I tell the young women in my small group, once you come, you're mine. I'm sorry, you're mine, okay? So, but today on Mother's Day, you can be either celebrated or get to celebrate someone because you were created. Actually, have you ever wondered why some things were created? Yes. Take the mosquito. <laughs> why? What good is a mosquito anyway? I mean, I know the birds and bats have to eat, but can't they eat something else? And then, there's all those infomercials that have, yes, with many new inventions, and you can have yours for $19.95 plus shipping. But why was it created? Does it really work? And even if it does, do I really need it? Like it or not, each was designed with a purpose in mind, and each has a function. However, in today's society, there are an increasing number of people who wonder why they were created. Do I really have a purpose? And if I do, what purpose do I serve? Now, there's many ways to answer that question, including the sanctity of life. But this morning, as we're looking at Psalm 139, I want to go beyond the fact that you exist to the next step and challenge you to look at your purpose. Did you know you were fearfully and wonderfully made? We know that comes up in Psalm 139. Because in verse 13 it says, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And verse 15 continues, it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
You see, each of you were created in the full view and under the watchful, loving eye of God. God has the design plans. He wove all those intricate parts together in a specific way, uh, even if you're not too sure about the way he designed you. He was intentional in who he created you to be. There were no design flaws, no mishaps, no mistakes, and there was no factory recalls. <laughs> he designed you, he knows you, he knows you. He was there. He was fashioning you, but he wasn't only fashioning you to do. You know, like you're a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman or a contractor or a scientist or business person or teacher, techie, or a mother. You were designed to be. Maybe friendly, caring, outgoing, maybe a little reserved. Um, maybe observant or totally clueless. Driven, laid back, visionary, detailed, and the list goes on. But he made you to be. But how do we know we were specifically designed? In verse 14, David bursts into praise. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Now, fearfully means in awe and reverence. Wonderfully means distinguished by, distinct, or set apart. So just think, you were wonderfully made distinguished, distinct, set apart to inspire awe and reverence in others. You are awesome. <laughs> now, some of you are saying, oh, I don't know, I don't think I'm very awesome. Of course, I know there's a few of us out there going, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> Whether you think you're awesome or not, the fact is, you were made on purpose and you were made for a purpose. Because in verse 16 it says, God's eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the, the days fashioned for me, when yet there were none of them. Going beyond the fact of your creation, Look at the why of your creation. As a person, fearfully and on reverence, why were you wonderfully and distinctly made? Why did God set you apart to inspire awe in others? And so that you can honor the grand designer, are you ready to find out and live out that purpose? 
So what does God say about his purpose? He has verses. The first one is in Proverbs 19.21, which says, Many plans are in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand and be carried out. You may have ideas of what your purpose is, what you can do and what you can't do. But see, God has a plan. And it might even be that thing you don't think you can do. But if you submit to the plan, you'll be the most fulfilled and happiest. But John 15, 16 says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and have appointed and placed and purposely planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing that your fruit will remain and be lasting. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give it to you. See, no matter what the specifics are of his plan for you, the end result is bearing fruit. That you are effective not only in what you do, but how you affect others for his kingdom. And as you affect it, it'll last. You know, Jesus prayed for us to his father in John 17, 17, and it says, sanctify them in truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. Now, sanctify means to set apart for God. And if we seek him and study his word and learn that truth, then we can live the holy lives to be effective for him. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is not your strength, but it's God's who effectively work in you, both to will and to work that work. That is strengthening energizing and creating in you the longing and ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. See, you don't have to do it on your own. He will equip. He will open the way. He will give you strength so you can fulfill that purpose in your life. And the good thing is, then he'll be pleased. And the familiar verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know with great confidence that God, who's deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. You can be assured you can have confidence in the fact that God is not only interested in using you, but will also arrange the opportunities and the situations to grow you so that those plans can be accomplished in your life. God will work it all together for good, even those things that at the moment don't seem so great, 
but he's gonna work it together for your good so that you can be used according to his plan. But that's okay, because God's ways are higher than your ways. That's why in Romans 12, 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by renewing your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Let me read that again. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs but be transformed and progressively change as you mature spiritually by renewing your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. See, we have to get away from the norms of today and mature in our spiritual understanding and actions so we can pursue God's perfect plan for us. Going back to John 15, then how do we bear fruit? How do we affect that transformation in others so we show that good and acceptable and perfect plan and purpose he has for us? Well, It's something like a chemical reaction. Now, don't get too nervous now. Science is that part that God designed me with. And um, he also designed me as teachers, so hopefully we're gonna get you through this, okay? (laughs) Now, a chemical reaction. In a chemical reaction, there are reactants and products. A reactant is the needed substance that combines with other reactants to produce a desired product. And that's what bearing fruit is, getting the desired product. As stated, God formed you for a purpose. Now, the overarching purpose is bearing fruit, but He designed each you to do all these different kind of things to bear that fruit. You may have the purpose of teaching to impart God's word and truth and make it relevant to people. Uh, You may be um, the worship leader or the vocalist that prepares that heart so that God can do the work. Or um, you could be a nurse that sees a need and speaks comfort or even gets to pray with a patient. You may be that friendly, outgoing, caring person that sees a need and helps somebody in need and then can show God's love. But how can we be used to bring others together with God 
to bear the desired fruit in their lives. You become a catalyst. <laughs> a what? A catalyst. Would you like to know what that is? Yes. Sure. In a chemical reaction, a catalyst affects or speeds up the rate of reaction, but it emerges unchanged. It's not used up. It is the component on which the reactants meet. So the reaction can take place. It's not the reactant, and it's not the product. It just provides the mechanism for the process. It is a person, thing, or agent that speeds up and stimulates a result, a reaction, or a change. For instance, take photosynthesis. Now, I know you already had that in fifth grade, so just come on with me, okay? Photosynthesis. That occurs in plants when carbon dioxide, that's the waste we breathe out, and water, meet in the presence of chlorophyll, you know, that green stuff in plants, in the presence of sunlight, uh, and in the presence of sunlight, to produce sugar, which is food, and oxygen, so we can breathe. So, in other words, waste plus the basis of life in the presence of power and a catalyst produces life. Amen? Now, to bear fruit, you may be used in someone's life whose life looks like a waste. They need to be united with the basis of life, God. You could be used as a catalyst to affect that reaction that brings someone together with God to produce an abundant life. Amen? Amen. Moms, dads, anyone, you are a catalyst. You're placed in a position to bring forth, inspire, and direct a fearfully and wonderfully instrument of God. Many people know famous people, right? You know some famous people. But do you know their mother, their grandmother, or the person who worked in their lives? Probably not. But it was the person that helped them become who they were meant to be. They were unknown, yet essential in the person's life. You know, Hannah in the Old Testament prayed, for this child I prayed. Now, some of you can say that, yes, for this child I prayed because I wanted to give birth. But how many more of you can say, for this child, any child, I prayed continually, faithfully, and earnestly to see them drawn in faith to God, to see them saved, to see them wholeheartedly follow God and his precepts, that their life would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that their lives would become devoted to God and serve God, that his purpose in their life might be realized. Are you willing to pray for any child, grandchild, or whatever child 
who comes into your life. You are a catalyst. Now, remember, many times you're not the main player. For instance, you prayed earnestly and continually. And then your child, your spouse, your friend comes and says, you know what so-and-so said? That really struck me. It was my answer. If it wasn't for them, I would not be where the place I am today. And you're going. <laughs> your effort was a little unseen. But you can rejoice and be grateful that God intervened. Do you have to get the credit? Or, moms, you fed, you cleaned, you dealt with the kids all day long. You were at their beck and call. You even had a power struggle. And then dad comes home. Daddy's home, yay! Lavish the love on him, I love you, daddy! Now, you're glad they love their father, right? You're glad they love the grandmother, the doting neighbor who they you know, do the same thing to. But there could be a tendency that you get a little jealous. But was it enough to see all your work producing happy, stable, behaved, healthy kids? Can you just be the unseen catalyst? Or, you put so much work into the ministry. Your administrative skills made everything run smooth. You've done maybe the necessary media, or food, or decor, or even made sure people could park in the parking lot to get in, or you know, meet somebody at the door with a smile. You were the one that made sure all those little emergencies that came up were taken care of. But nobody really noticed. However, several people that day came to salvation, received answers, got their miracle. Because of you, there could have been a divine appointment between two people. The one that had already gone through the problem, the trauma, whatever, meeting up with a person that's in the middle of it, and that person could give them wisdom and hope and an answer. See, you were the landing place, bringing those two people together so that interaction could take place. And the product was a changed life. Notice that the catalyst is not always the star or even the end result. It's usually not noticed, remembered, or even mentioned. But it is essential. Without it, the process or the end result could not take place. You were essential to the work and plan of God. Yet, it mostly gets no credit. 
Its purpose is to be. So see all the other components work effectively to produce, produce the needed effect or product. So the question comes, are you ready to be a catalyst? Are you willing to accept the call to a secondary role? Are you willing to see others shine as long as God's work is done? Can you not only accept it, but be blessed that God used you? You know, God is good. Sometimes those thank yous do come. And, and you might get a text because somebody noticed and cared. But even if it doesn't, can you still find not only fulfillment, but keep on serving? Knowing it's not you anyway. It's only God in you doing anything. However, there was another component in that chemical reaction. You cannot be a catalyst without power. In any chemical reaction, energy is not only needed to start it, but to sustain it. Remember that sunlight in the photosynthesis? In and of ourselves, we have no power. It's only God's power that makes it happen. First, the spark to start this action, this plan and purpose in your life, is the power that God gives you when he draws you to himself. You know that one that created the way you are anyway? And when you come and accept him, and turn your life over to him and ask him to guide you and lead you. That's when that power is used. Then his purpose and plan can be set in motion and you do become a useful catalyst. Second, there's the power that sustains. When we are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives us power. And it's his power to daily hear his voice for the wisdom, the knowledge, and the discernment. It's his power to help you stand in faith on his word and his precepts. It's his power that helps you lead a life that's an example to influence that next generation. It's his power to help you speak a prayer of faith over a situation. It's his voice that urges you maybe to send a timely word to someone or a scripture that would spark an answer or at least be that word fitly spoken to encourage. See, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose designed by God. You are an instrument being shaped by the master's hand and you are an instrument, instrument to be used by the master. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are created for purpose. 
The question is, are you ready to step into that purpose and be all God created you to be?